The Dark Times is not intended for younglings, foundlings, or Padawan learners. Ask your Game Master's permission before listening. The interview Sam Witwer is a feat that only one has achieved. But if we work together, I know our show will prosper. I pledge myself to your Patreon. Mm, the force is strong with you. A powerful host you will become. Henceforth, you shall be known as the Dark Times Podcast. Thank you, my producer. Welcome back to the Dark Times Podcast. I'm Sam, your favorite Trendocean bounty hunter. And I'm Steven, your favorite back alley death stick stealer. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Want to buy death stick? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll never forget when we <laughs> you built him on the show. That was great. It was a good time. So funny. We're already reminiscing. We're only on episode 33. This <laughs> <laughs> is the uh, Dark Times podcast. Steven. Two months ago. Good times. Yeah, stop reminiscing about something that happened recently. <laughs> Let's talk about other things that happened recently, okay. like the feedback we got from last week. There we go. Uh, Lakopic says, among other things, but this one stood out to me. My favorite failed stealth check story, once it helped the party a lot by drawing a bunch of guards towards the forward scout and away from the rest of the party who were kind of busy hacking a door into a prison. Great example of a positive spin on a failed stealth check. Certainly, maybe the scout in this case failed a stealth check and tracked a whole bunch of enemies, but it did draw enemies away from the rest of the party. So where have we seen this in Star Wars Canon. I feel like did that happen in Rogue One? Uh, there's so many like botched. Maybe like, the Mandalorian did something like that. Half of all Star Wars is botched stealth checks. So <laughs> I don't really like. I mean, come on, pick pick one. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> um, I was gonna say Han and Luke uh, escorting Chewie to the detention level. Yeah, but that's more of a botched deception role than yeah. a botched uh, stealth check. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. I didn't get any word about a prisoner transfer. Well, listen, I <laughs> bang. <laughs> a little note about uh, Zubnug Grimgore from last <laughs> from last week. We mentioned in the build that he uh, his targets are flat footed. It's not from being flanked like we talked about. It's actually from the squad superiority talent from the brute talent tree, which makes enemies flat footed if you have when allies, you flank yeah. them with yeah. allies. Yeah, yeah. So we isn't we, it at least two allies? I think or it's something? at least two allies. I mean, you need at least two to flank someone well but not including you oh was yeah the point yeah of course um <laughs> yes yes thank you for clarifying american psycho i pitched this several months ago this yes. idea for an episode and then again at like one in the morning a few nights ago in yeah. like a fever state yeah that's i mean that's how but you have a fever no i was oh, just okay. feverishly typing to you All i was right, laying yeah. in bed and i was like i had a really good idea for an episode and i was like i better just send this to steven even though it's two in the morning yeah no, that's what i forget that's what our discord dms are for it's basically <laughs> half notes it's, it's half notes half notes uh, but yeah, um, t- t- take take it away. Steven, as a avid Mandalorian player, uh, there's a pretty big part of my life slash religion, and it's my armor. Yeah. How do I use armor effectively? What do I do? What? How do I make my armor good? No, that's these are all great questions, and these are all our questions on everyone's mind uh, when it comes to, to armor and Swissy. And armor and Swissy kind of has a different, slightly unique position as compared to armor in like Pathfinder or D&D. I think well, it gets a bad rap in Swissy. It gets a bad rap in Swissy. And, and we'll talk about why that is. And we'll also talk about why it shouldn't. 
a lot of people come to Swissy, probably most people come to Swissy from D&D or Pathfinder, where armor, if you're not like a, your usual caster, is pretty much required. Absolutely. Like it's the balance of the game is hinging on the players advancing the quality of their weapons and their equipment. And armor is especially in a system where you have like an AC is everything when it comes to, you know, fighting red dragons versus gold dragons and shit like that. Which is why I like how Swissy has reflex defense instead of armor class. Yeah. To specify, it's not just what you wear that gets you out of these situations. It's how you act and how nimble you are. Precisely. Swissy, as we've talked about many times, does not have this built into the game balance. The, the uh, Getting better armor is not part of the design of Swissy's difficulty. So, in other words, you know, a lot of people's instinct for coming into Swissy is that you need armor and you absolutely do not. It, armor is just another area of Swissy for characters to specialize in like a given skill or weapon category. You know, armor isn't useless in Swissy as it's often derided. It's just nearly another option. It'd be like saying survival is useless because the game doesn't rely on you progressing your survival skill when the difficulty increases that that's just not true. And I think this is fresh for one thing. It's nice to have an RPG where I'm not worrying about my equipment all the damn time. It's really good. And it's a good fit for Star Wars. I mean, there's not a lot of main characters in Star Wars getting armor. Like, when does Rey get her plus two leather vest <laughs> to go take on Kylo Ren? Like, that doesn't happen in, in Star Wars. You know, the characters who are known for armor in Star Wars tend to be pretty special. And very well versed in the use of armor. Mandalorians, of course, are the best example. here. That armor is either like a close part of that character or forced upon them in a way that they have no choice or it's just part of their duty and stuff like that. Exactly. Uh, armor has a much. Armor has a relationship with people in Swissy more like it does in our real life. You don't see everyone wearing ballistic armor. People don't put on ballistic armor when they go hunting. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They don't put it on for, I mean, sport combat has, you know, light sort of, you know, covering. Light armor. Not, yeah. Not, yeah, nothing light armor. Even, yeah, nothing you'd consider true armor. Except like soldiers, like people who go to war and fight in war and value war are wearing armor. It's very similar in Star Wars. The Fets, I mean, come on. We all know the cultural fucking bonfire that was Boba Fett's introduction back in the day. His armor was why he was so cool and inspired a whole host of writers and lore masters to expand the world of the Mandalorians. And I mean, to this very day, I mean, what can we even say about Mandalorians that hasn't been already said? It's They're fucking cool. And they wear armor. Part of what makes Mandalorians stand out is their armor. That's like the whole deal. No one really else is doing the armor thing in Star Wars because there isn't room when like the coolest guys ever are the armor guys. Well, you forget there are the stormtroopers and their armor is iconic in its own right as well. Absolutely. But it's also different than like how Mandalorians handle their armor. You yeah, stormtrooper armor isn't known for being good armor. No, no. In <laughs> fact, we, we see stormtroopers regularly get dusted by a single shot to the torso in full body armor. Uh, plastic boys, as they're often called in <laughs> yeah. 2005's Battlefront 2. 
Um, when you thought about, you know, armor being forced upon someone in Star Wars, I thought of the clone troopers and of, of stormtroopers because they have armor, but it's really just because they look cool in it. It doesn't really <laughs> seem to do much for them. It signifies something. Yes. For the stormtroopers, it signifies the Empire's like relentlessness and power over it. From a storyteller's perspective, that's what the armor's for. Of course. And in uh, game terms and take grave caution trying to apply game terms to everything you see in Star Wars. But it, they are mooks. They aren't high enough level to take advantage of that armor. Simply put. So in Swissy, you've got light armor, medium armor, and heavy armor, much like many other RPGs. You must be proficient in an armor type or else suffer an armor check penalty, which is a flat penalty to the following skills, acrobatics, climb, endurance, initiative, jump, stealth, and swim. I think, I think that's all of your decks and your strength skills. That sounds right. I might be missing one deck skill, but I don't think mechanics is intelligence, right? Yeah. Okay. Then yeah, we're that. That's all your decks and your strengths. Pilot is decks. Pilot is decks and not listed. That's yeah. a great point. Okay. So you had no armor check penalty for pilot. That's kind of neat. I, I, I hope I, so, I right? Think, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that those penalties are minus two, minus five, and minus ten for light, medium, and heavy armor, respectively. You gain proficiency in armor from feats. Soldiers start with light and medium armor proficiency, the only class to begin the game with any sort of armor proficiency. That makes sense, because they are trained in those things. Absolutely. They are soldiers. They are, in the Star Wars universe, the most likely to have experience using armor. So, bingo bongo. Armor typically has a bonus to reflex, fortitude, and a max dex stat. Max dex caps how much your dex mod contributes to your reflex defense. This is typically not a low enough value to actually affect you. I I uh, realized the other day that this max dex cap is mm-hmm. not for wearing the armor. It's simply how much of your decks you can apply to your reflex defense using yes, that armor. That's correct. Which I think is nice. It is, yeah. And it, that means if you're not a very dexy person, then you can still wear armor and benefit from it. And from what I've seen, your typical armor meathead isn't worrying an awful lot about their deck stat that much. Usually they tend to have a beefy strength score because they're up close and personal, or have a, a nominal deck stat for some decent outrange uh, chuck fuckery. Chuck fuckery. Is that the, the scientific term? I, I, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> so it's Swissy, baby. You know, we're we're here for talents. Talents augment our character and make them who we want to be. Naturally, we have a talent tree for armor. It's in the core rule book. It's alphabetically the first in the core rule book. So many of you have probably seen it. It's the armor specialist talent tree, which without the armor specialist talent tree, your armor's bonus to reflex defense replaces your level bonus to your reflex defense. What that means is that say you have an armored flight suit, that's a plus five bonus to reflex, which is great until you reach level five or well, level six really, because now your reflex defense has not increased. It is stuck with that plus five armor bonus in lieu of what would be your plus six, plus seven, plus eight level bonus when you reach those levels. As you may figure, dear listener, armor swiftly becomes unenticing as you reach higher levels. This is also another reason armor and Swissy gets hate. Because someone builds a fucking, I don't know, eight level character without investment in the armor specialist talent tree. There's almost no reason to have any armor at that point. 
and talents are pretty few and far between in oh, Swissy. Yeah, I mean that's what one every odd level. Was it every third level? Every third. That's that's feats. Oh, every odd level. Yeah. Then, yeah. How dare I try and talk up against the guy who created the leveling up 101? <laughs> oh, you know, just to, wiki. that old thing. You know. Second most popular drive. page on the wiki. Yeah, who's who's <laughs> after the home page? <laughs> the species page. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It doesn't count the home page. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. There's other reasons to wear armor besides reflex defense. No fucking way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you think, you know, what can armor do for me besides helping me avoid getting hurt? Quite a bit. So all armor provides a bonus. Most armor. I think all. Most. Many. Armors provide <laughs> bonuses to fortitude defense. Sam, can you think of any reason why fortitude defense might be important? Steven, could it be the damage threshold? Sam, it's the damage threshold. So, as we know, the damage threshold is everything in Swissy. The condition track is everything. Forget your forget your health. Forget your force powers. Forget all that bullshit. CT killers of yeah. the future. <laughs> How can you protect yourself against them? Armor up! <laughs> But yeah, any increase to your fortitude defense is an increase to your damage threshold. That's the truth. So maybe you're level six. You don't really care that you're missing out on one point of reflex defense because maybe just maybe you're getting plus two plus three to your fortitude defense and you really like having the damage threshold high up there. Maybe you have improved damage threshold, knock that shit up a little even higher. Come on. Also, we're going to get into this a little bit more, a little bit of foreshadowing for all the real ones out there. Integrated equipment. Ar- armor upgrades are a beautiful world unto themselves and are absolutely worth discussing. We'll get to that in just a moment after we talk about the armor specialist talent tree itself, which is the key, put it in, turn it, to enjoying your armor to its fullest capacity. Even the armor specialist talent tree starts us off with the armored defense talent, which Let's you take the better of your level or the armor's bonus to reflex defense. Finally, thank <laughs> God you could take this level one and pick up your favorite piece of armor and then just not worry about this talent tree ever again. That's pretty cool at high at early game, you know, get a really nice piece of heavy armor at level one. Your reflex is like 25 compared to the rest of your party members. Who they're probably hitting the 15, 16 range still. Maybe, you know, it's 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 great to be really far ahead of your your buddies when you have a high reflex defense, because then you can take some bullshit like draw fire. Absolutely. And just be mean. Fight defensively, draw fire Mr. with some Kank. fat armor. Oh, Steven, we've done this. We've done this dance before. <laughs> we, can I, do I need to remind everyone of Pulse, the, the clone trooper with I'm the, all the armor uh, feats, <laughs> fight defensively, draw fire, uh, puts him up to 40 reflex defense. I think, yeah, he was like, it was like 41, 42, 43 by level 20 or so, yeah. which was. Uh, and if you want to disarm him, it would be 51. Just <laughs> atrocious, just stupid. But yes, and then of course, you see right down there below armor defense, we have improved armor defense, which actually lets you add half of the armor bonus to reflex defense to your reflex defense in addition to your level bonus. So this say great, amazing. So say you're level six, you've got a piece of armor with plus four to reflex defense. Your bonus to your reflex defense is now plus eight, six from your level, half from the armor. It's nice that you get your full level. That's great. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I like it because your, your defenses go up every level and that just feels good. Oh, absolutely. These two talents are, you know, equivalent to three levels of in soldier 
or a couple other uh, prestige classes actually have access to the street, like Gladiator does. Yeah. Which is cool. And Jedi Knight actually does too, which is yeah. fun if you want to do some like Knights of the Old Republic style. Oh, stuff. I was thinking like Obi Wan, Gandhi Tartakovsky, Clone Wars. Yes, absolute fucking lootly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and these so these three levels in Soldier, these two talents are usually enough to sate anyone who wants that D and D style armor. Anyone who comes straight off the five E wagon and is looking for their I don't know fucking. Plus four dragon leather. Dwarven mithril scale. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that shit is. With, with dragon spit accents yeah, or some shit. Exactly. Know. Yeah. Like that. That This is it. This Save is- it for the Pathfinder <laughs> podcast, Stephen. Christ. <laughs> this is your. Yeah. I wouldn't mind doing a Pathfinder podcast if that market wasn't like totally saturated. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> that, that just revealed a lot about why we do this. <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> There's plenty more goodies await on the armor specialist talent tree uh, for for you armor heads out there. Juggernaut's a personal favorite of mine because heavy second skin's pretty cool. Second too. skin's good. Uh, heavy armor limits your move speed to to four squares or something. Yeah, and yeah, and Juggernaut takes care of that. It's great. Yeah, I don't remember what second skin does. Second skin gives you a plus one to your reflex defense and your fortitude defense, uh, fortitude equipment bonus from armor. I mean, pretty nice. That's really good. Really good. Make that normal, you know, maybe the armor, anything higher than that reflex defense bonus is going to lower your dex cap and you don't want to lower that. So you just, you know, get that second skin talent. Damn right. Okay. Let's, let's shift gears a little bit here. Let's uh, put it, put it into park and then put it back into drive and then put it into reverse and then drive again. We're going to talk about armor upgrades. Sam, this is a, I'm a big fan of equipment upgrades in general. I think the ability to customize your equipment in Swissy is Awesome uh, and very easy and fun to do. And it's way better than it is in other systems. Like 5E's got like plus one armor of this thing. I mean, Pathfinder's probably close to my favorite, second favorite way to upgrade armor. Yeah, yeah. I think the rune system in Pathfinder's like damn good. But I don't know. Something about how Swissy does it, I just just like it. He does it well. Swissy does it well. So like most equipment, all armors have one free upgrade slot. Powered armor always has two upgrade slots. And I, I think it's like always pretty clear what is powered armor and what isn't. I think it might always say in the armor's description. I'm, I'm pro- I can already hear emails being typed to prove <laughs> me wrong, but that's fine. This often makes these heavier, slower armors. That's, that's uh, powered armor appealing to mercenaries and hunters as mobile equipment platforms. Even if a lighter armor might allow them to avoid more attacks. That's pretty, it's pretty neat. There's a, an armor I picked out, later on that I want to highlight that really brings us to mind. Super, super cool. Um, there's two methods. Steven, what if I want to do more upgrade things? What if I want to get better upgrades? More than just one. I don't want one upgrade. I want more. You want you want more than just the one upgrade slot? Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to have my cake and eat it too. Well. While fully protected from bombardment. <laughs> I, think, I think we got something that can help you out here. Uh, you can strip armor. Armor normally has one to three upgrade slots available as stock gear. It can add more by becoming thicker and bulkier, see increasing equipment size, or by stripping either of the two components described below. So there's defensive material. Armor can have sections of defensive material stripped, lowering its armor bonus to reflex defense and equipment bonus to fortitude by one point each to a minimum of plus zero. There's also joint protection. Armor normally uses more fragile, expensive material to cover joints frequently with extensive bracing to transfer the impact of an attack to stronger sections of the armor. Armor can be rebuilt using standard heavier materials elsewhere and 
remove the bracing to make room for another upgrade slot. This doubles the weight and decreases the maximum dex of the armor by one, which can even reach negative numbers. So those are your two options for getting another upgrade slot. Okay, well, we know how. Yes. Now let's talk about the why. Okay. What would I put? What what kind of what sort of upgrades are there? So something that you'd appreciate as a as a somewhat regular Mandalorian player, mounting weapons and equipment on your armor is something you can do in Swissy, and it's very fun to do. So there's kind of two methods of going about achieving your your go go gadget dreams, your your Boba Fett Batman utility belt uh, dreams. Nightmares, even, if you prefer. <laughs> fantasies. Yeah, fantasies. Uh, I want to cover integrated equipment first, so I can highlight some of the advantages that weapon mount has over it later. So integrated equipment comes in four flavors. The first three only require one upgrade point, and the last one requires two. For 200 credits, you can get one slot of integrated equipment. For 500, you can get two. For a thousand, you can get five, and for two thousand, you can get ten. The ten integrated equipment slots costing two upgrade points. That is insane. Right? Yeah, that's a lot. That's like I can't even name ten pieces of equipment that I find useful for a single character in Swissy. But you can do this shit. You can uh, imagine this guy who has like glow rods and electro binoculars and like data pads taped all over his body. Well, you gotta forget, you can't forget uh, jetpacks. Oh, that's an integrated equipment right there. You're right. You're right. You're right. Let's, uh, let's read off integrated equipment here. This is all from scum and villainy, by the way, an integrated equipment upgrade attaches one piece of equipment to the armor per slot. The equipment must be three or more sizes smaller than the armor itself. So that means things like, so it, you're you're a medium creature, right? Like you're you're, you're on good days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like ninety percent of people are playing a medium creature. Your armor is medium sized as well. Integrated equipment must be three sizes smaller than that armor. So we'll stick with medium. So that means only diminutive equipment, usually like things like med packs, electro binoculars, and glow rods can be integrated equipment. This also includes small weapons are also diminutive equipment. We can talk more on that later if, if people are confused. This is a bit of a weird thing from Scum and Villainy. But small weapons are diminutive equipment and thus can also be mounted on armor using the integrated equipment upgrade. These would be things like blaster pistols and vibroblades or, or small weapons. So, wait, can the jetpack be worn with armor? Let's take a look. Or does Boba Fett got like a miniaturized jetpack in there? I don't think it's miniaturized. We've seen the Mandalorian. We know what the jetpacks look like. Yeah. And uh, like if, if you're if your GM's telling you you can't wear your jetpack over armor, then find a new GM. <laughs> <laughs> that or write him a two page thesis on why you think you should. So I don't think jetpacks can be integrated equipment. So a jetpack is it weighs 30 kilograms. Which, according to the, the chart found in, in Scum and Villainy, actually means it's a small object. So you could not attach a jetpack to armor using this method. But I think you can just wear a jetpack over your armor. I don't think that's a big deal. You have to fly that one around on the GM Fiat and see how it feels. Beep, beep. Beep. Not to mention, the jetpack is, like I said, 30 fucking kilograms on top of your armor. You better hope you have a carrying capacity that can support all that shit, sir. Sir, sir, what's your carrying capacity? 
that the TSA agent in the Star Wars universe who's checking your carrying capacity? Seriously. Uh, a couple more things about integrated equipment. Uh, this equipment is constantly ready for use and need not be drawn or prepared before being used. Once the suit of armor is rigged for integrated equipment, it becomes increasingly easy to add new pieces of equipment as built-in modules. As a result, prices and upgrade slots, costs are given for... Oh, that's just telling, you, telling me what I already just read. That you can get upgrades with more slots for equipment. And there's even rules for swapping out equipment. It's a DC-10 mechanics check and 10 minutes of work. Yeah. and You better take 10 on that. Oh, yeah. If you're not taking 10, we'll know. (laughs) We'll find you. (laughs) GMs, if your mechanic isn't taking 10 for 10 minutes of work, like, why not? uh, Perhaps an important clarification as well. This is also the two for for weapon mounts. The price of any equipment attached to the armor is separate from the integrated equipment upgrade cost. So say you want to integrate a blaster pistol, you got to buy the blaster pistol. And everything that entails, as well as the armor upgrade. No, no cheat, no cheesers here. Where do we see integrated equipment used in Star Wars, Steven? Gosh, where don't we see it used? I mean, I think about the fight with Jango Fett and Obi-Wan and Kamino a lot. I think we see a lot of really cool uses of integrated equipment. I think he busts out the flamethrower during that fight once. He busts out the synth rope launcher, um, which more on that later. And those, I loved these as a kid. I, I couldn't tell you why. When Jango Fett's sliding down the side of that landing platform, he busts out these crazy fucking like <laughs> like the Batman yeah, like, like arm Batman yeah. wrist spikes <laughs> and like those are the climbing claws upgrade actually. Oh shit, they totally are. Yeah, those aren't integrated equipment at all, Steve. And he cl- and he climbs with those. Yeah, it gives him a plus ten to climbing check. Oh, plus an upgrade point though. Oh, nine hundred credits, I believe. Man, that's cool. Okay, yeah. I always thought they were kind of silly. I mean, Boba Fett in Return of the Jedi. Hits him with the hits Luke Skywalker with the synth robes. You got the flamethrower out. It's great. Yep. yep. Mandalorian. We got both oh. using the uh, <laughs> rocket launcher. On oh the yeah, back. that's great. And then um, uh, Din Din Djarin, of course. Din Djarin uses this whistling birds. Whistling birds. Well, those are probably weapon mount, right? Oh yeah, those are definitely weapon mount. Might even be a whole weapon proper. But uh, yeah, I mean, integrated equipment is everywhere in Star Wars. I don't think like Luke does anything with integrated equipment. I don't think I can't think of like a Jedi character that really does that. I'm sure Dr. Aphra has some, some shit like that. Yeah. She's always, she's about, she has, she has a circuitry arm she's tattoo. <laughs> I like Dr. Aphra. Yeah. She's great. Great. Okay. So, you know, now, now that we talked about integrated equipment, the nerds are satisfied. You know, all the people who want to put a data pad in my armor, you know, fuck buying a wrist computer where you can just put a <laughs> data pad in your integrated equipment in your armor. No, no, we're here. We're here for the, the real shit. And, and folks, welcome to, you know, big, big neon sign above my head here. The weapon mount. So this is a way to like, like, remember, I said only small weapons get integrated into armor. What sort of wussy shit is that, Sam? <laughs> Trying to go full fucking Iron Man war machine over here. Come on, I want to put a fucking heavy repeating blaster in my armor. I want to put a fucking grenade launcher in my armor. I want to put a flamethrower in my armor. By the way, miniaturized flamethrower works great in integrated equipment. Absolutely. As does miniaturized ascension gun. I want to put my uh, the, the Wookiee bowcaster of my quarry into my armor. Exactly. That's a cool idea for a bounty hunter, a Mandalorian who like integrates like the signature weapons of his quarry into the armor after oh, he kills them. Oh shit. Oh, that's great. That's pretty badass. That's pretty badass. I like that a lot. But yes, if you're looking for a more efficient way to put pretty much any weapon 
on your armor, weapon mounts are for you. If you're kind of the more, like I said, go-go gadget style, you want a lot of variety, throwing a mentorized ascension gun and a mentorized flamethrower on there is awesome. I've had players, I've had like four players do that and it, it's great. Oh, you don't have to miniaturize those for the weapon mounts, Stephen. You don't? There's no size restriction on the weapon mounts. Oh, I'm sorry, Sam. I was talking about for integrated equipment. You're right, but I was talking about applying those integrated equipment okay, for a little yeah, more yeah. variety. Absolutely. Because then you could throw in all your other gadgets on there too with those weapons. Sorry, that was a little confusing. No worries. But we're here in weapon mounts now. And now you could throw on, like, forget miniaturization, throw on any weapon you want onto this weapon mount. Let's take a peek here. So there's two flavors of weapon mount, and they both cost one upgrade point. They're standard for 1,000 credits and concealed for 3,000 credits. And you can probably guess the difference between those. What's interesting about weapon mounts versus integrated equipment is that it's the armor type that determines how many you have. Yeah, it's really interesting. So... So light armor gets two weapon mounts. Is that what they're called here? The yes. Weapon, yeah, it gets two weapon mounts. Medium gets three, and those heavy honker boys get four. A two-handed weapon requires two weapon mounts to mount. A one-handed weapon takes one weapon mount. And a light weapon, that's any weapon that's a size smaller than you or more, so small weapon like blaster pistol, that's only half of a weapon mount. So say you're ma- motherfucking Master Chief. <laughs> Yeah, you you've got the you've got heavy armor on and the weapon mount upgrade. You can mount two two handed weapons. That's a flamethrower and a heavy repeating blaster rifle. Four one handed weapons. That's like four. I don't know. Blaster pistols. No, those would you could do eight blaster pistols because they're light. <laughs> I don't know. What's a good That's like four carbines, four carbines. Yeah, yeah for sure. That definitely gives me like Samurai Jack vibes where like the robots like it's like just 30 fucking guns on each hand. If you, know? you want to be that guy and I'll be honest with you, there's not a whole lot of reasons to be that guy. You're still only attacking with one of those per turn. Like, let's be honest. But in the case of two handed weapons to have two two handed weapons ready to go primed at all times with no penalties whatsoever to carrying them. Come on. Yeah. I mean, Stephen, we also we didn't mention this, but. With integrated equipment and with weapon mounts, it doesn't cost an action to draw and re- and use them. Nope, they are drawn, readied, and evident. <laughs> <laughs> Unless. Unless you pick up that concealed weapon mount, that's a DC 25 perception check to notice when the weapon's not in use. I assume that the Boba Fett Django armor definitely has concealed I, weapon mounts. I'd assume. I, it's based on his profession. The type of work he gets up to, he finds himself in a lot of different places. I mean, places. you don't see a huge fucking barrel on, on his arm for the, for the Ascension gun it's or true. anything like you that. You don't. That's correct. But yeah, and you know, you, you mentioned you could even do, since both of these are only one upgrade point, say you've got two upgrade points going for you on your armor, you could slam down a weapon mount and a five-piece integrated equipment with barbecue sauce on the side of the medium <laughs> drink on the same piece of armor. What, what can't you do at that point? Go, go fucking gadget time is what time it is. Check your watch because you've got it integrated into your armor. <laughs> what I, what was, we need the survival. What was the, the thing that grinds the food up into a paste? Oh, the, oh, 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 the field food processor. Field yes, food processor. you totally could. You could absolutely integrate that. Let me ch- just check something real quick. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the party sits down at a nice restaurant. <laughs> Waitress droid comes up like, oh, what will everyone be having today? Your armored soldier beefcakes like, oh, none for me, thanks. I'm good. 
pulls up his fucking wrist armor and just goo slides like, into his mouth. Like Spider-Man style, like shoots wrist goop into his mouth. Yeah, he's got just, he pulls his wrist back. He's got a little spigot and just sucks gray goo He's probably got like a straw in it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sick. I love it. What's other weird shit we could integrate equipment into that? Like sound sponge? I don't know. <laughs> sound like, sponge? Yeah, that's sure. No one can hear you very well from far away because... <laughs> Sound sponge. A uh, personal translator unit's pretty good one. Oh yeah, you actually you had that idea yeah. last night for integrating in your armor, and that's yeah. I, I don't know how that thing works you at do, all. We do a little quick little sidebar explaining yeah, yeah, how yeah, the personal so, translator works. Yeah, someone help me. I, I I'm asking for help, listeners. Please uh, please help me with this piece of of um of equipment here. This is a personal translator from the Unknown Region source book. It's two thousand credits, and it's only point one kilograms. Basically, it, it says. It can translate verbal communications in the owner's language and up to three other languages of the owner's choosing. Sounds makes sense to me here. Here's where it gets really fucking weird. The device operates at the level of a DC 10 droid translator unit. The translator has no photoreceptors or appendages, so it's not able to interpret nonverbal forms of communication, such as sign language. It's a DC 10 translator unit. Normally, when droids have a translator unit, they have to roll an intelligence check to see if they know the language. Does the owner of the translator unit roll that? It, it implies that it's a droid, a miniature droid all on its own, because it, it mentions having no appendages. Yeah. And no, I'm like, well, I didn't think it would. <laughs> I didn't I assume it had appendages yeah, like, until you said something. Is this thing a dro- Whose intelligence check are we rolling? I assumed it's a flat check. Okay. I mean, that's fair. That's the GM that's, no, that's, that's, and that, that That's the simplest solution, I think. I mean, I'm not going to find out the end score for this little $2,000 piece of equipment. If I droidify it, this is a totally different conversation. Yeah, we're, If I droidify my personal translator unit, can it interpret uh, sign language? <laughs> I, I just, it, it, it's one of those where like I, you understand what the equipment does and then they have one sentence in there where I'm like, <laughs> what? They just throw a whole wrench into your operation. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Thanks, man. Another side, side note. The field food processor is too big to be integrated. Bingo. Done. (laughs) Done. Done. Because it's four kilograms, which means it's tiny. So it's it's one size too big. Yeah, miniaturize that shit. You're done. It's like a little Pez dispenser in his arm. If you integrate a miniaturized field food processor into your armor, please write in. Please do it to weird out your GM and then and then email us. Hey, about listen, it. if you're spending if you get 10 slots anyway, right? Like yeah. what what other things are you going to put in there? You're going to be the ultimate travel buddy. That's what you're going to be. Hey, anyone want some goo? <laughs> Armor just cooked up a batch goo? of goo. goo? Yeah. <laughs> you know, another one. I like the idea of the Mandalorian being like. <laughs> Kid, come here, Grogu, and then he's like, he like, like comes out of his pinky yeah, or he just something. Squirts it right <laughs> in his little mouth. Come on, <laughs> another half meme, half useful. Which I mean, these all are. Like, if if you're in a survival situation and your suit makes edible goo, you're you're not a scout. You can't be trained in survival. So what can you do? <laughs> Get some goo, baby. <laughs> all right, put some biomass in there. Fire extinguisher. Yes, Steve and I were yes. talking about this earlier. You could also integrate a fire extinguisher for instant, instant concealment. Instant total con- No, it's just regular concealment. Is it total concealment? I have to look this up every time. I think it's total concealment, which is big if true. It's total concealment. Yeah, instant so, yeah. total concealment. If you want a total concealment button built into your armor that costs 50 credits, by the way, 
Um, pop that shit right on. It does take a full round of action. It does, but, but it's this total is like concealment. full Batman style, like a smoke bomb, you're gone. Absolutely, absolutely. So those are all the like zany equipments I could think to pop on to a arm. I mean, there's glow glow rods, an easy one. There's a oh god, I already forgot it again. I forgot it in a different episode. Little Literalist reminded me of it, and then now I'm forgetting it again. But there's another upgrade that is just a, a light that's like meant to go on armor. But you could you could throw on a glow rod too, and it would be yeah. Fine. So you know, let's look at a few other. Those are just two armor upgrades we've covered. Yeah, now. we've covered the zany and the wacky and the weapony. Now let's talk about like the standard. Absolutely. So vacuum seals seem pretty practical. You have these. Absolutely. Well, the flight. Uh, oh, flight that's suit. right. Yeah, your your armor is a armored flight suit with the Mandalorian gear template because we figure that would be best for a, a pilot Absolutely. such as yourself. Um, but yeah, vacuum seals are here and. Frick, frack, McGack, you never know when you're going to need those vacuum seals. What's nice about vacuum seals is they open the opportunity for you to expose other to open space. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely. If only a couple of your party members would survive in the vacuum of space, guess what? Hole breach. <laughs> it's Figure so it crazy, out. Yeah. yeah, come on. They should have bought that. Uh, what's that inflatable sack that <laughs> lets you escape the a vacuum vac- survival kit or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. Or- Breath mask or something weird. No, we talked about this. Breath mask wouldn't, wouldn't breath save mask, you from vacuums. Breath mask wouldn't save you from vacuums. It would save you from poisons. Is the emergency? Oh, the vacuum survival pouch, <laughs> inflatable bag that just. This is another good contender for uh, integrated equipment. equipment yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you don't have vacuum seals for some for, reason, yeah, you only got one upgrade slot and use it on ten on five integrated equipment slots. Yeah, the the standard vacuum seals don't even take an upgrade point. Yeah, well, it's zero. zero. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> they, they do add two kilograms of weight, though. Um, oh, you know what? Quick question. What's up? Uh, vacuum survival pouch. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Could I use my integrated survival pouch on someone else? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I well, would there you go. That. That'd be a reason to do That's it. That's pretty cool. Really good, like, rescue moment there. You got your vacuum seals on. You got your extra backup pouch to pop on your friend. <laughs> Easy money. Talk about the the invisible elephant in the room, Stephen. Oh God, I can't even see him. <laughs> <laughs> he can smell you, <laughs> Stephen. There is an upgrade on this list, and it's called the shadow skin upgrade. Halo lamp was the one I forgot Halo earlier. Lamp. Yes, yeah. that's the one yes. that gives you a light. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, uh, uh, the shadow skin upgrade. You say? Yeah. Well, 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 golly, you know what about it? How much credits does it cost? Oh, 5,000 is the shadow skin. Let's look at our previous episodes. How much does the camouflage poncho cost, Steven? Oh, I'm so glad you asked, Sam. So the camouflage poncho only costs 125 credits and can explicitly be worn over armor. Like like they say that in the item description. It's plus five equipment bonus to sell checks. Throw it over your armor because it looks cool. And it doesn't cost an upgrade point either. It doesn't cost an upgrade point either. So... Shadow skin, I I don't know. It it doesn't stack with your poncho because it's it's also They're a plus five bonus. bonus. Yeah. yeah, it costs you an upgrade point and five thousand credits, and it's restricted. Why would I buy this? I don't know. What does it say? does it say anything else? Or does it just give you the stealth bonus? A matte. I, well, there's one reason I could think of, and I'll read it from the description here. A matte black finish of light and sensor absorbing material. A shadow skin turns any armor coated with it into a stealth suit. Normally coupled with a sound dampener included in the modification cost. It's difficult to see here or detect the armor with sensors. Okay. So now I got two things. It's matte black and looks cool. So yeah. there's that. Yeah. 
this does specifically guard you against sensors, huh? sensors and sound. Whereas the poncho does not. It only protects you from being seen. So does anyone out there care enough <laughs> to make that distinction? I'll just carry a sound sponge in my pocket if that's yeah, so. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I there is. Some... How much is a sound sponge now, Stephen? Oh, God. Because <laughs> if, if it's more expensive than the shadow skin, then I guess I see a reason of doing it. Sound sponge costs thirty five hundred. So you're still with the capancho and the sound sponge. You're still about thousand credits cheaper. And you know what's cool about the sound sponge, Stephen? What? I can give it to someone else. <laughs> and doesn't take an upgrade slot. Yeah. <laughs> now there's the reflect shadow skin, which costs twenty thousand credits and gives you a plus ten equipment bonus to stealth. It's like the Lamborghinis of stealth. The Lamborghini. Yes, the Lamborghini of stealthing. So why wear shadow skin? I don't really know. But it's here and it looks cool. I bet it looks really cool. Oh, I bet it looks fucking cool as shit. <laughs> oh, there's shield generator, Sam. Do you know this? I'm familiar. Did you ever want SR5? No. Yeah, it doesn't sound all that great, right? I mean, hey, it's like it's kind of like DR5, but if you happen to take more than 5 damage, it pops and needs Three swift actions to recharge after. There's got to be. Is there better shield generator? You get SR10 shields, which now we're talking. That's not bad. That's also three upgrade points and 10,000 credits. That's a lot of upgrade and, points. And military availability. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're kind of iffy. I mean, if you I'm sure there's a case for them, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. And there's probably talents that might be able to modify this but I, I think like droids have an easier time with having shields I think isn't there an equipment upgrade for armor called stun stun net or something S stun net to shock web shock web that's the one what's shock web a shock web is 6,000 credits it costs one upgrade point with military availability a shock web is a powerful electrified stun field that can encase the entire surface of armor runs off an energy cell and can power for 20 minutes using a swift action for on and off. When the shock web is active, anytime you're the target of a successful melee attack, grab attack or grapple attack. Oh, cool. The attacker takes 1d6 electrical damage and 2d6 electrical stun damage. Oh, I would choose cool. this over the shield generator. I would too, because anytime someone touches you, which it's Swissy, not terribly often with the, you know, we're more of a shooty game over here, but it happens. 3d6 damage, 2d6 of which is stun damage. And that's pretty good. And it doesn't go away when you get hit. No, it doesn't. It doesn't <laughs> at all. The shield. Yeah, 3d6 damage on anyone who's stupid enough to touch you is pretty good. You think they would keep touching you after that? No. Yeah, if you're if if your GM's using tactics. More on that later. Is this it says when someone else tries to grapple you? Yeah, when you are the target of a successful melee attack, grab attack, or grapple attack, the attackers. Take 1d6 damage and 2d6 stun damage. Not a grapple check? Grapple attack, it uh, says. Okay. So if successful, so, grapple so attack. I was thinking, like, what if I grappled someone and I, and I had the armor upgrade? Oh, every time an attacker is damaged this way, the shockweb loses one minute of charge. Oh, okay. But it's 20 minutes. It's 20 minutes. So it, you, pretty good. I like this. That's upgrade. 20 attacks that you can... This on a melee beat face... Guy, so cool. Like a power hammer heavy armor guy. Pretty sick. Pretty yeah, for six thousand credits, that's not bad. I like that a lot. Let's talk about armor plast, Steven. Yeah, let's talk let's talk about armor plast. We've, actually, we've talked about the cool, let's talk about the functional. All right. Tell me about armor plast, Sam. It's nine hundred credits, if I'm I don't think I'm wrong. No, you're right. Yeah. Okay. 
zero upgrade points. Uh, it just cuts the uh, weight of your armor in half. Wow. Yeah. No upgrade points. And it halves your armor. And we've talked about like a bunch of other stuff that can really get fucking heavy. Yeah. Like heavy armor, especially if you're like expanding that upgrade slot. If you're stripping exactly. Out, protect, damn. This rocks. This is it's, really and cool. It's cheap as hell. And it's common. Yeah. You can just do this. It's great. It's awesome. I love this. There was one more I want to talk about, Steve. Oh, yeah. Which one? The powered exoskeleton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because this paired with the armor plast. This is this is what's cool. Oh, now I see where you're where you're getting off to. Absolutely. Here. What does the powered exoskeleton do, Steven? The powered exoskeleton costs 4000 credits, costs you two upgrade points. A powered exoskeleton operates for 20 rounds on a standard energy cell. Turning a powered exoskeleton on or off is a swift action. When active, the powered exoskeleton gives the wearer a plus two equipment bonus to their strength score. A powered exoskeleton adds five kilograms to the weight of the armor. It also mentions that a suit of armor with a powered skeleton upgrade commonly includes the internal generator upgrade, which now we're getting sick nasty. That plus two equipment bonus to your strength score. I think that's the only instance, one of very few instances in Swissy of a flat bonus to your attribute that's like always there. That's like yeah. just passive flat bonus to attributes. There's no such ceiling on that. Plus two equipment bonus to your strength score, which by the way, for all you math heads out there, exponentially increases your carrying capacity by a lot. That pair with armor plast, you've got a lot of carrying capacity now. All the more room for more ridiculous gadgets. Random bullshit, go! <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> The Karelian power suit is a piece of medium armor that has two upgrade slots and and the powered exoskeleton upgrade already in there working. Sam, you take your tech specialist mastercraft device upgrade. You can make that flat plus two to strength a plus three. Take superior tech if you're so inclined. Mastercraft that shit with the superior tech version instead. Plus four. Flat bonus to your strength score? That's insane, Steven. For my melee beat face guy? Yeah. Yeah. My power hammer 2d10 wielding jackass? Absolutely. That's like, tentatively, that's a 24 strength bonus. That's crazy. Not strength bonus, sorry. Strength score. Strength score, yes. So, maybe you folks are seeing why we love armor upgrades so much. This power generator, which was briefly mentioned last one, or, or sorry, the internal generator... There's a lot of power generator discourse out there, Sam. Just to keep things chill, I'm going to read just from, what it says. Yeah, verbatim. I'm just going to read from the book and we're not going to do anything else. <laughs> Cut the blue wire, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Costs 1,000 credits and it only uh, it's one upgrade point cost. It's common. It's a miniaturized version of a power generator. An internal generator can provide continuous power for different upgrades of a suit of armor, including any integrated equipment. I assume this includes weapon mounts as well. The internal generator can be activated or deactivated as a swift action. And as long as it's active, it can simultaneously power up to 10 different devices that have negligible power requirements, anything without a listed duration. For devices with specific power requirements, an internal generator can store four units of energy, each the equivalent of an energy cell power pack or 20 rounds of power from a power generator. And it automatically recharges one unit every hour. A suit of armor can receive this upgrade multiple times if more capacity is needed, but each internal generator adds 10 kilograms for the weight of the armor. So I kind of got my mind on a 
Corellian power suit with an internal generator upgrade. And then I don't know what, what do you want to spend? What do you want to spend your spare upgrade point on Sam fucking jump servos? Yeah. Oh, jump servos would be cool as hell. Shield generator, um, integrated equipment. Oh, what, what am I saying? Weapon mount. Oh yeah. Yeah. Weapon for sure. That's you with your Corellian exoskeleton internal generator and weapon mount. It's so cool. So sick. This is the part of the show where we thank you for listening to the Dark Times podcast. You see, sorry, I was I was falling asleep over here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Seriously. And thank you in particular to Recovery by Night, who became a $5 patron over the weekend. Seriously, Recovery by Mr. Knight, if I can call you as such. Thank you. That is his actual last name, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, that's clever. I like that. That's great. So being a $5 patron, he gets a few things. Mostly he lets us know that he loves the show and wants us to keep doing it because by George, that's George, our, our third host who doesn't talk. <laughs> and the silent dark times. Host, George. <laughs> it's okay, George. Not only does he directly support the show, he also gets access to a handful of goodies, including my own hex crawl guide, which I wrote a while ago. You can find it for free on Reddit. It's no big deal. But the Patreon version is spruced up with all sorts of lovely art and goodies. It's formatted to look just like the Swissy source books of yore. And it includes everything you need to run a nice survivalist campaign or a campaign of deep space exploration, pioneering new planets or getting lost in a shitty jungle world. It's really good for any of that. Anything you can imagine. Uh, we just put up our Dark Times pod pregens, which in are little nice bundles that include everything someone might need to know about playing a Star Wars RPG bundled with a handy level one character sheet. And he gets the privilege to vote in all current and future bounty build showcases. Are you jealous? I am. Well, you listener don't have to be. They don't even let me vote in those. Yeah, they don't. Let, yeah, Stephen and I have to be jealous. We have to sit here and lament. <laughs> but you, dear listener, can be part of the cool crowd. You don't have to be like me and Stephen, where we don't get a voice in the show. Um, <laughs> a show is our voice. <laughs> you can use the link in the description to join the Patreon and support the show. All right. How else can they support the show, Steve? Well, you know, beyond giving us the equivalent of one trip to Taco Bell, less these days. I don't know if you've seen that Taco Bell menu lately. But they, besides giving us a meager $5 a month, you can also spread the word online or to your friends. Are you a game master with a group of four to six eager players who want to know more about Swissy and you can't be bothered to, to tell these little schmucks? If you only have two players, I don't want to fucking hear from you. <laughs> tell your players about the podcast. I'm sure they'll enjoy it, too. We tend to be a little, I don't know, are we, are we GM focused? I, I don't know. I don't really think there needs to be a distinguishing line. I think everyone should know the fucking rules. I, the thing is, Steven, GMing is the thing you can do by yourself the most. <laughs> and we've talked about this before. It is. You're right. You're right. Or if, you know, if you see someone online who has a, a question about Swissy that we covered in a, a pod, I mean, I see lots of people link our episodes and be like, hey, they covered it pretty good here. And when I see that, I... I, I tear up a little bit because it, it feels nice to be appreciated. And as the person who edits the show, I think, oh, no, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are just a, a handful of ways you can support the show. If you like what we do, uh, Sam and I have about a combined 10 man hours behind each of these episodes. And, you know, we work full time days, hours, weeks even. Uh, and, and we put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into into this passion project. So we love seeing all the support you guys send our way. And we, we receive quite a bit of it. So uh, I'm very thankful for that. 
And with more support and more patrons, you can look forward to even more effort. But I mean, we put our best into the show, but if we were allocated more resources for it, then absolutely. You could see some more bonus content in the future, maybe special episodes, all sorts of the jazz. I I still want to get Sam to do a uh, commentary track. For a couple different movies, some of them <laughs> some Star, Star Wars, Wars related. Commentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think I think people would. People, I don't know. Who cares if people would like that? I want to do it. Anyway. I've always wanted to do. This is like a little, just a little bonus content for you to listen to right now. Yeah. I've always wanted to do a commentary track, uh, at, like from the point of view of the director for a movie I did not direct, <laughs> and just like that's pretty funny. Like we pretend to be George Lucas, and like <laughs> that'd be great. I like that. That would be good. I would love to do Rise of Skywalker director commentary as someone who isn't the director. <sighs> That's good. You know, we had Ian McDermott. He's a great guy. I had to chop off two of his fingers for this scene. We couldn't edit them out. They were too, they were just too blue for the blue screen. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. If you like that, then let us know. Then totally we'll yeah, do it. You know, if you have any ideas for something you want to see us do, I don't know. For the Patreon or just for yeah. if we have an extra episode that we need to take a day off or something well, like that. We did that, that Trekkie April Fool's episode and asked if anyone would want to hear our voices do anything besides Swissy. No one. No one reached out, which is fine. That's great. I'm happy here. We'll still do it next we'll, year. Yeah, we'll still do it next year. Don't get me wrong. All right. Well, I think we've we've uh, meandered about I, in this sort of promotional space for a little bit. bit a bit of meandery episode, so might as well get fun. back into it. Was it was fun. No, I'm having fun. Are you having fun? Well, if you're not having fun, you'll start, because we're about to get you up to light speed with zero distance. Ooh. After a week of being in hyperspace, our heroes find themselves in the space above Ryloth where Imperials have cut off communications with the planet and the rebel capital ship Wakamancha. Nullpoint Contingency is tasked with destroying the communications jammer located in Ryloth's asteroid belt. Yegor, Nullpoint's resident starship mechanic, has whipped up a Star Viper-class assault fighter just for this occasion. As the squadron arrives to the jammer's location, they are met with Imperial forces consisting of several TIE interceptors and two fearsome TIE bombers. Atorn, our Mandalorian tank pilot, pilots his X-Wing. He uses his draw fire talent, protecting his squad mates from several attacks during the skirmish. This bravery comes at a cost, and the fighter sustains heavy damage before being struck by a critical concussion missile. Be it sheer luck or through the will of the Force, the Mandalorian drifts into the great expanse of space, helpless but to watch his squadron continue the mission without him. Just incredible. Thank you, Steven. Yeah, that was a nice write-up. I, I like that. That really sounded... I mean, you said... You wanted it to be like picking up a comic book issue. Absolutely. And that was a little snippet of what's Stephen Stevens campaign Zero Distance. Those who are longtime listeners of the podcast will probably be more familiar than I am with it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But for those who don't know, what's Zero Distance? Yeah, so Zero Distance is a, is a campaign I cooked up um, after a breakup. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Really put all those emotions to good use, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it, it, it's, it, is, it doesn't really show in the material, I, I promise. But um, it, I really wanted to, I, I've been reading a lot of the Galaxy at War book. It just kinda, and, and the Imperial, and the Admiral's name is Jessica, and she's a bitch, <laughs> and I hate her, and I hope she, and, and you guys gotta go kill her. <laughs> God, could you imagine? Yeah, no, nothing at all like that. Oh, man. I'm sorry. I just had no, to. It, it came was, to me. I had to say it. It's very, very funny. So, sorry. Let's get back. Yeah. The, I've described it as, I hate saying it like this, but Avengers meets Top Gun. I mean, that is that is what I kind of was, was going for, like, very much. So, I, I had been reading a lot of the Galaxy War book. I kind of became 
enamored with the gear requisition system because I was like, I want to create a, a very combat focused campaign with a big emphasis on like teamwork and tactics. And I, I don't want to worry about players actually like getting the hardware necessary to, to have these super big fun space battles. And I had you called it a, the toy box approach in our first episode. That's actually. right. I forgot about that term, but yeah, I, I called it the toy box approach. I wanted to hand the players pretty much all of the big boomy stuff that Swissy has to offer, mostly starships and see how they tackled complex, delicate problems, both in and out of combat. Um, I think a cool thing you did with this sort of um, campaign was before it started, you went around and asked everyone personally, what sort of what's like their dream Swissy ship? Yes. To pilot or to use. If they could choose gameplay. one starfighter to, to use in Swissy, what, what would they want? And uh, and I ended up, you know, kind of tailoring the selection of ships to that. I mean, you, we have players like like uh, Sigil. Sigil, our force sensitive Dathomiri witch noble pilot. Yeah, and, and Sigil's player was really enamored with the Star Viper class assault fighter. And I mean, who who could blame them? It like, looks really it, cool. It's fucking sick. And you know, I was really big into Empire War back in the day, Forces of Corruption, and you know that ship was a big part of of that that expansion for that game. So you know, I was totally on board and. That's why, but it's a very unorthodox ship, both in lore and, I mean, have you seen its fucking stat block? Like It's powerful. It's, it's basically a B-Wing, but like... But with, faster? It's a little faster than the B-Wing, and it has like two less weapon systems. The B-Wing has four weapons, it only has two, but the 7D10 double heavy blasters, oh my god, nasty. And, you, and you, the one we were using, you've kitted out with with um, Discord missiles. Yes, yes. As a fun little twist, I, I eschewed, I think it has concussion missiles by default. I threw those out and put on a Discord missile launcher, which is a, I didn't even know it was in the game, but it's a missile launcher that shoots out those nice blue streaks and they're filled with buzz droids. You remember from the opening scene of Revenge of the Sith? Of course, how could I forget? And the player's also a big fan of buzz droids. So I, I kind of went double whammy on this one and um, it, it paid off big time as of last session. I mean, the, she was one shotting. Yeah, the, the tie interceptors, the discord missiles took out a, a tie bomber by on their own. Yes, yes. I mean, she slammed she slammed on the, those buzz droids, got them on that tie bomber, hit them with that uh, that turbo laser blast or not turbo laser, the, the blaster cannon blast. And then next turn done, just died to the chip damage. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. The backdrop for the campaign is is the Rebellion era. It's it's the same year as Empire Strikes Back. You know, the, the Galactic Civil War is at a fever pitch. And uh, the, the party is a starfighter squadron for the Rebel Alliance, which I've I've always wanted to run a campaign like. And it's been lots of fun. That encounter last night, I, I took to heart some advice I've read everywhere, both in official and unofficial content about space combat, is that just like in Top Gun, Starfighters should use pack tactics. They should team up and focus one party member. And that feels so bad. I hate doing that. Yeah, it does. It, I, I, my instinct as a game master is to never do anything like that. Cause I would hate for anyone to feel like I was singling them out at the table. That's like my worst nightmare scenario. But so I, I compromised with myself. I had the bombers focus one player and had all the interceptors focus another player. You, what I wasn't accounting for <laughs> was you charging. Well, and I don't know why I'm surprised you do this every opportunity. It's literally you get. the build, Steven. You charge into the crowd of fighters, pop, draw fire. And it's a great build. I'm not saying it's a bad idea. It's fantastic. Charge into the middle of the enemies, pop, draw fire. 
Next thing I know, you're hit with a nat 20 concussion missile. You take like 160 damage. <laughs> yeah. <'Cause that's laughs> which would have which would have destroyed the X-Wing were I not already at half health. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you already boosted your shields with that. What's the sir? Uh, attack uh, Zeta-9? Uh, yeah, attack, attack formation, formation Zeta-9. Zeta that yeah, sounds about right. You already boosted your shields up to like 30 SR. Amazing, by the way. I think you managed to dodge... You got out out of like the way three, of one attack, like, like three or four attacks. I dodged. Yeah, one attack misses. I think you got rid of one with vehicular combat, and then, and then you got rid of another also. one with snap roll. And then so you you would. I was tanking. You were tanking. You can't say you I wasn't. Were, no one's saying you weren't <laughs> tanking. In fact, I think everyone thinks you were tanking to a fault. <laughs> but then, yeah, nat twenty concussion missile, one hundred sixty damage. Space combat is so damn swingy in this system. You only get one shot. Yeah, like you, you, you either which makes sense though. Yeah, it, no, it works and it feels amazing. It's kind of that hyper lethal combat that everyone always talks about wanting to run in, in systems like Morkborg and like yeah, old where it's like you actually die when you get hit. And yeah, stuff like that. yeah, this is that. And it's <laughs> yeah. it's we're like, I didn't like think that we'd be here, but we are. If you fail that vehicular combat dodge roll, which you guys never really do because you're. A, a pilot mod is like plus 19 the team feat the, it's a team feat yeah a squad unified squadron unified squadron yeah yeah feet. yeah gives us instead of a plus five from skill focus gives us plus eight plus I believe, seven plus seven yeah. yeah uh that paired a torn my mandalorian pilot does have the exceptional uh skill talent for piloting so which nasty means every roll on piloting from two to seven is automatically counted as the eight i i don't think i've rolled lower than like a 10 though to be honest no <laughs> Another moment from that encounter, because you guys were, were starting to whittling away the enemies at great cost to yourselves. I mean, you lost a torn. No one else was really doing that hot either. And then I, I put a a red tie interceptor on the board and a player just screams, you bitch ass motherfucker. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, because uh, oh, um, so th funny. this is important to the to the, the, the sort of the context. Yeah, we are chasing down a imperial um, ship. That like is red themed. Yeah, like there's the a whole... there's a fleet called Crimson Command. Uh, it's a, a special branch of the Imperial Navy that's patrolling the particular sector of the Outer Rim that you guys are trying to worm your way through. You kind of have this like a uh, road trip kind of meta story going on where you have to get from point A to point B. Are um, they canon or are they a Xenosloth original? So they are. They're legends. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm of course taking yeah, of great course. liberties yeah. with it. But yeah, no, they they um, it's a it's like a. It's like 40 victory class. So they're smaller vessels, more agile of red victory class star destroyers. I love it. Um, and there's, they're super fun. I don't really know what story they're part of, but, um, isn't the idea is it, the idea is that their armor is better. That's why it's red. No, it's not straight up that they're just painted, right? No, they, they aren't painted and it's not just straight up better. It's like the, the sourcing for the alloy for these particular. Oh, cause they're in the outer rim. Yeah. For this okay, particular manufacturing sense. run, they ended up being red and the Admiral thought it was cool. And that, that's, <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, like, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> I don't think there's a particular advantage to them being red. It's just, they look badass. They're more menacing, I guess. Yeah. And they, they fucking look sick. I, I love them. Um, but yes. And, and it's, um, actually I almost just spoiled something for you. So no, nope, never that. mind on that. But yeah, it's, it's, and, uh, I, I also, I, I made this encounter when I was frustrated with how the last encounter went, because I wanted more shooting. Yeah. And you guys are so damn smart and so damn political <laughs> that you're like, oh, we can, we can, you know, maneuver our way out of having to shed blood. And that's amazing. That's so cool. But I wanted some fucking shooting to happen. <laughs> so I made this encounter with a lot of shooting on the mind. And 
I was stuck because I was like, I, I always want something dynamic about an encounter, especially a space encounter, because they, they can get so static. So exactly. Easily. Yeah. I was like, what is the thing? I had a really cool cover layout. I was using that that tunnel asteroid map, a big asteroid that had a tunnel through it. Little literalist actually sh- sent me that map. He was like, you will think this map is cool. You should use it. And I'm like, I do. I will. <laughs> well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, and so the, the cover situation was cool. I kind of like it. There was lanes in the map, basically, that were kind of sure. hard to traverse. Yeah, very obviously, like areas you were meant to go through. And yeah. Stuff like and that. I always like a map that kind of guides a certain like, you know, strategic plan. But then I was like, I want concealment on this map. The asteroids have a special alloy crystal formation that when exposed to sunlight emits a fog that both provides concealment and deals ion damage. Super cool. And so I had a, t- I had a turn counter going that as the sun emerged from behind Ryloth and hit these asteroids, they would kind of fog up and make these areas of concealment that gradually grew as, as the battle went on. And as if that wasn't bad enough, you had to introduce a, another opponent into the fray. Yes. Yeah, so I dropped one of my favorite stat blocks in the game, a Royal tie interceptor, a nasty evil. I mean, you haven't even beat him yet. We, we, had, we called it last night that we're going to pick up in next session, but yeah, this is a this is a painful stat block. It's a it's pivotal a, moment in this encounter. It's a tie interceptor with shields. So yep. like, you know, you already know it's fucking crazy. Watch out. I'm not even going to tell you the attack mod. No, I don't even need to know. It, it. Yeah. sucks. Well, I'm, I'm I'm not in the combat anymore. <laughs> That's true. You're <laughs> so you, you went down and then our A-wing pilot Tully went down too. after getting the, the jammer that we were there to destroy so close. Like, yes. like not even the health bar was a sliver. It, it had two HP left. Oh, well, fuck me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it didn't have shields, it would have been, it would have been done. So I mean, I, I put shields on it last minute too. I added shields to that jammer. Like 20 minutes before the session like started. 10. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, shields on this? <laughs> well, it had like 20 HP and I'm like, this should have shields. It's where is Star Wars. It has shields. Of course. I just throw shields and anything I want to preserve. Totally. The, the hut from that one. Zieta. Yeah. I was like, wait, this is a hut. And the leader of Point Nadir, she should have shields. If they kill the leader of Point Nadir, we're going to have a problem on our hands. I'm going to I'm going to be in a, in a narrative ditch. I won't know how to climb out of. Use use shields to cover that hole so you don't yeah. fall through. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was a. I can't wait to see how the rest of it turns out from the distance in in space, just floating. Hey, the zero distance, baby. The zero distance. That's why it's called zero distance. Oh, that's why. And because why. when your hit points hit zero, <laughs> you float a big distance away from the encounter. And she's zero the distance. And she's six squares speed. Sorry. Fuck. About that one. I think we just lost a patron. No! Don't <laughs> joke about that. Uh, I don't think there's... I mean, Stephen, why did we bring this up? Why did we mention this? Well, I want. I just wanted to see your perspective on, on the situation, honestly. I, I, it's, this is my first time downing two party members in one encounter. I probably, I I probably sound like a baby for that. <laughs> I was so scared. In, in our previous campaign, I was so scared to drop anyone even like below 10 HP. Because I thought you guys would hate me, honestly, <laughs> if I did that. But you, you don't, so we're no. good. Um, you think it's great. I mean, why do you think it's great? I think it's a very, uh, it's challenging. I mean, this is where we TPK, this is where we TPK. I'm not going to, I'm not the person to be like, oh, well, we had so much stuff left to do. I am totally, well, I've got a bit of a martyrdom syndrome. I don't want to say you know, a fetish, because that's definitely not what it is. I'm glad you said it, because like, <laughs> we've been saying that, because like, our friends will be like, does Sam have like a martyrdom thing going on and i'm like i think so 
It's not intentional. No, no. It's just cool. It's cool. It's very cool. I like playing characters that get to take the brunt of attacks for other characters or and like die doing it. It's super cool. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, it works out well. You've saved countless lives. Absolutely. Um, with... I mean, we'll, we'll see that we just got, we called in reinforcements. The, the squad leader called in reinforcements at the end of the encounter. We've got two X-Wings on the board now in your favor. I kind of have a plan for how to handle you and, and Tully who are down and out and launched through space, at, you know, floating infinite velocity. We both rolled nat 20s on not throwing up, by the way, which That's I true. Thought was, that was very funny. That was your um, that was your coming to check. Oh, yeah. That was your <laughs> both rolled nat 20s on that constitution check to, to regain consciousness, which... I don't think I've ever seen that happen before, especially not twice in a row. Would have been so 20. much more useful. <laughs> there's like there's like seven natural twenties rolled that session. Yeah, why? It's, it's just us. It's the energy we bring. To I guess the table, so. You know? Is, you know, roll twenty uses cosmic noise <laughs> to determine. Um, Notorious for using vibes to calculate no, the rolls. Literally, yeah, like it's it's apparently the most random thing in the universe, which is is great, but like. <laughs> Gives an awful lot in that 20 for something that's random. Yeah. yeah that's I mean, which I can't complain, I guess. Maybe. I don't know. Not until you back to back TPKs, I guess. Then you'll complain. Seriously. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I wanted this segment just to talk a little bit more about zero distance because I love plugging it because I'm, I'm very happy about how it's turning out. And Absolutely. I want your perspective on, on that encounter because holy shit. And I like to I, I, I thought it was a good idea because I like to inspire the listeners. Seriously, I, I, I think a lot of, you know, there's there should be more conversation, I think, about what people are doing at the table. I think a lot of discussion online in about role playing it's just all in general. Yeah, absolutely. It's not <laughs> not just Swissy, but it's all white room, you know, mathematician, you know, hypotheticals. And that's useful, too. That's a useful train of thought. But I, I think we should all talk about more about what we actually do at the table and, and how we think and feel about it. It's not about having the best character all the time. It's no. about having the f- most fun. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm speaking as a game master, I'm having a fantastic bundle of fun. And even if I'm nat 20 and out an X-Wing and I'm, my, I had a force point, so I'm still alive. Yeah. I'm still having fun. Good. <laughs> it's a great time. I'm glad. And from the bottom of my heart, seriously, I'm, I'm glad. And me too. And if you, we'd love to hear about any stories you listener have. Please. About having fun at the table. Not about having the coolest roll. I mean, okay. You know, let's be honest. Having the coolest dice roll is also fun. Yes. But not having the most, you know, I want to hear about. A great rescue, a great when you thought you couldn't lose anymore, and the party finally like pulls together and does a great job. I clutch know. moments, creative role playing opportunities. I mean, you guys surprise me every week with with the the way you decide your characters to interact with the world around them. We still have moments in our friend group. We still have moments from like our first Swissy campaign that we bring up. Oh yeah, like because a lot. they're just incredible storytelling moments. Steven's got playlists that he makes. First of all, if if you're playing online, I think having playlists for your tabletop sessions is, is, isn't a must, but it really helps the experience. The Sonic Realm has subconscious effects on your players that make them think you're a good storyteller. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's my pro tip. If you play some, like, if you have a decent ear for what sort of tone of music you want for a particular scene and you play it during that scene, you cut out a lot of dead air and you're tickling the parts of your brain your players' brains that form memories about stuff they like. Absolutely. Steven had a playlist that I really enjoyed. I still listen to it these days. And the opening song from the playlist reminds me of the big bad speech every time. It I teleports get you right back. I get chills. I get chills right now thinking about it. Oh, man. 
Well, okay. No, enough bragging about how great a time we're having in Swiss. How great a time are you having? We'd love to hear about it. Tell us. So, folks, there's no build this week. Uh, you, you got that zero distance discussion instead, and I, I hope you liked it. We also wanted to remind you that we are in the voting round for our latest build showcase. That's patrons only. Specifically, you must be in our five or ten dollar Patreon tier. Those are our only Patreon tiers. Uh, you must be in one of those tiers, and then you can get on the poll and vote. They have a week left to vote. Steve. Yes, you have one week left, less than a week less left. A time of listening, yes. To vote, yes. A time of listening, you have less than a week to vote. Uh, your votes must be on the Patreon page uh, before eleven fifty nine Pacific Sunday, July thirty first, and then the following episode, which should come out the second of August, we will announce the winner. It's time, Stephen. What, what time is it for? When? It's time for everyone's favorite game. Oh, all right. Name that NPC or I literally kill you. All right. The way this game works, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Stephen, I have a stat block here and I'm going to read parts out to Stephen. Right. He has three opportunities to ask a yes or no question and then give a guess on the stat block. And if he fails all three tries, I will eliminate him. Uh, by yeah. any means necessary, like full Blade Runner, like he's going to jump through a window. It's going to be raining. That's I'm going to so be Harrison funny. Ford for some reason <laughs> or Ryan Gosling, depending on how you feel. You know, um, <laughs> you know someone said because we, we mentioned it being painless. Someone said that we we never specified. I never promised yeah. to be painless. Okay. You said that it'd be painless. I, I think I was ho- I was hopeful, but clearly <laughs> it's going to be a bit more of a Blade Runner, Harrison Ford slash Ryan Gosling situation. Yeah, enough putting off. Your your dead demise, Stephen. Let's get into it. Let's do it. This is a stat block from Threats of the Galaxy. One of your favorite books. One of my favorite books. So though hopefully- I've, I've been sleeping around with, <laughs> with DMF's NPC guide lately. But yes, the, the, my old old faithful Threats of the Galaxy. Affiliations. The fringe. Mm, the cringe this is <laughs> the cringe. This is a medium near human scoundrel three Jedi two scout four bounty hunter three. A CL12 stat block. Oh, this is this is nasty. We are looking at force power suite with a use the force tech of plus 13 battle strike force slam and move object base stats abilities strength 13 deck 16 constitution 14 intelligence 13 wisdom 14 and charisma 14 with the talents acute senses elusive target force perception gauge force potential improved initiative Jedi Hunter, and Sneak Attack. Feats include Careful Shot, Dual Weapon Mastery 1, Force Sensitivity, Force Training, Melee Defense, Point Blank Shot, Rapid Strike, Running Attack, Skill Training, Pilot, Survival, Use the Force, and Weapon Proficiency, Lightsabers, Pistols, Rifles, and Simple Weapons. Aura Sing? Holy shit, Yeah, Steven. let's go! Holy fuck! I, th- I was almost certain I would, I would lose here. I was, de- I was starting <laughs> to sweat. I was like, I don't... Like Scoundrel 3, Jedi, whatever, Bounty, what the fuck? <laughs> Dude. Did you know Aura Singh was Force Sensitive? Yes, I did. I did not know that until I found the stat block. Yes, I did. Because I because she has a big part of her backstory intertwined with, forgot his name, fuck. Uh, Boba? No. No. Um, Tuscan Raider, Jedi. Oh, uh, Ashrod? Ashrod Het. There we go. She killed his dad. She killed his dad. And the Jedi. The Jedi. Um. I thought what was going to give it away was going to be the possessions, which she also has a uh, flight suit, two blaster pistols, five lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi Hunter. Fine, I guess, fine yeah. addition to my collection, I guess, you know, a slug thrower rifle, which that's a that's dead, pretty dead giveaway. Yeah. yeah. 
And the Renorm biocomputer, which she is notable for that. Oh, she that. has it in her brain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, she's uh, got antenna. the antennae. Oh, yeah. Uh, utility belts, ion repulsor lift swoop, and a Corellian blockade runner, which I didn't know you could put. I guess ships are possessions. Yeah, there's, there's quite a few step blocks that have ships in possessions. That's that's so wild, Steven. Yeah. That, that's, that's crazy that you just totally... Wow. I go into the mine palace, dude, and it's, it's, I'm Ben of the Cumberbatch. Right next to the chips. Yeah. <laughs> My foot's of the galaxy stat blocks. She has the familiar foe special action plus two from the bounty hunter class. It gives you, uh, if you spend a full round action, you can gain a, a bonus on attack rolls against that opponent and a bonus to your reflex defense against attacks made by that opponent, uh, equal to one half your class level, which was two in this case. Amazing. So I guess she uses gauge force potential to see if someone's a force sensitive and then hunts them down as a bounty hunter. That's a cool stat block. That's so like, fucking cool. Like Aura Singh aside, I would use that stat block if I wanted a, a really cool, like good Jedi hunter. Uh, so gauge force potential, how this works is you gauge how strong the force they are, taking a standard action requiring you use the force check. If your check meets or beats the target's will defense, you know whether or not they have the force sensitivity feat. You know how many force powers they know, but not which one specifically. Ooh. And you know how many force points they currently have. Wow. That is really cool. That's super sick. That's like super mechanically cool too. Yeah. Like it's not just like a cool, it's not just a yes or no. In a campaign where you'd expect a lot of like force sensitive adversaries, that is, is juicy. I honestly, I thought near human would have tripped you up on this one. It did trip me up big time. I'm glad I can give you a challenging one that you still got first try. That's fucking batshit. <laughs> it I'm was like challenging. In shock. <laughs> Didn't even ask a single question. He went straight for the gas, like for the fucking jugular he hit me with. Wild. <laughs> Steven, do you have any trivia for us this week? I do. I do. Uh, so Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic was originally conceived around the year 2000 and was initially planned to be a game set around or during the Clone Wars. Something like the storyline of episode two, Attack of the Clones. It was actually even supposed to have like a subplot focusing on the clones. That reminds me of a, that DNA probably ended up going to, to TCW, I, I would bet. Oh, I bet. Or, yeah. um, or maybe even Clone, uh, Clone Commando. Oh, Republic Commando. Republic yeah, Republic Commando. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it was cut because they realized they actually didn't want to spoil the, the then upcoming movie. So Bioware was also given the option to set the game 4,000 years in the past and given complete or mostly complete creative freedom. Uh, the company chose to do this and uh, we have the game we know today. I was when I got this trivia, I was also reading up. They everything they petitioned Lucasfilm to do like in their game. They pretty much said yes to they they had to make. Fuck yes. Kodor represents like the mostly unfiltered vision of its creators. And I think that's amazing. Can't wait for the remake. I can't wait either. It's going oh, cool. to be so nice. Uh, I, I can't wait to see Terrace in like. I don't know, Unreal Engine 5 or whatever the <laughs> fuck it's going to be. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, I, I always, Coder has a special place in my heart because it's a, it's a Swissy adaptation. Absolutely. Those are Swissy rules in that game. Yeah. You can go play Swissy right now on your, just, just <laughs> your skip, skip Terrace if you played it before. You don't really. <laughs> That's a great trivia, Steve. Thank you. Uh, here's another pleasant reminder for all patrons and all potential patrons that if you join the Patreon before our next episode and vote for our current bounty, then you have the deciding factor. You are the power is in your hands to decide which of those incredible bounty hunters win our bounty next week. Yes, absolutely. And the last day to do that is this Sunday, July 31st, 1159 PM Pacific standard time. Uh, the dark times is produced and edited by me, Sam Stevens, my co-host. If you like the show, reach out to us on Twitter, DarkTimesSWSE, or email us, DarkTimesSWSE at gmail.com with any questions or a segment for the show, 
any stories you want to share about Saga Edition, that's what the show's about. It's a community podcast, as Stephen always says, and you are a part of the community no matter what. Absolutely. Uh, review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your shows. Send us your reviews, please. We only have one review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to see more. It's great to hear what you guys think about the show. We have, we have lots of five-star ratings on Spotify, We though. do. We have a bunch of five-star ratings on Spotify. Thank you so much. If you tell us that you told a friend about the show, then we'll shout you both out on the show. Uh, Steven, do you have a quote for us this week? Great shot, kid. That was one of the million. I think you've used that one before. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> great shot, kid. Don't get cocky. There we go. Nice shooting, kid. Don't oh. get cocky. Fuck! <laughs> Good night, everybody! Yeah! Do you think they ever get tired of me screaming at the end of every episode? I don't know. No one's mentioned it. That's so. true. That's true. No one said. <laughs> they've, they've tuned out at that point. <laughs> Our yeah, listener I, retention I, is at zero. I'm like surprised if anyone gets like, like I, I, the moment I hear the outro on a podcast, I click that shit off. Like I don't listen to it. This is the Dark Times Podcast. The podcast. The podcast. The Dark Times Podcast. <laughs> the Dark Times. 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 All right. <laughs>